1: What's up, guys? I want to tell you about a company that I've been working with for a while that's really going to be able to help you if you want to get a high paid job in coding or design. It's Dev Mountain. They're an awesome in person coding and design bootcamp that offers housing for at no extra cost for full time immersive students. They have a whole career services team to help with job placements. So if you are interested at all in coding or design, go click the link below and tell them I sent you. And I got a question from Francisco Quintero. I think that's a made-up
0: name because that's too cool of a name. I don't know, Francisco. I'll go with it. Maybe it's your stage name. I like it. All right. He says, does my commitment deserve a salary raise? That's the question. And he says, there have been a couple of weekends. I've had to do some work. No big deal. Nothing that would take me a whole day to do. But those days start to add and it seems to be something that is going to continue down the road. Should I ask for a salary raise that would compensate my extra effort? Uh, And he says, additional info, I understand sometimes we should show some level of commitment with the project slash company, right? Uh, And I have no problem doing it from time to time, but with this project, it starts to feel different, more demanding. Okay, so I've done some videos. I think I did some video on should you work overtime. You should check out that video definitely so you're not taken advantage of or I think it was called like uh, you know, Should I work extra hours for my employer or, or something like that? I don't know. I, I hopefully, we can find the video. But in this case, okay, so I'm going to give you sort of different advice. So you, you should ask for a raise. Yes. <laughs> Always, right? Because you're doing such a good job. It has nothing to do with you, you, you working the overtime. Now, I, if you're going to work a lot of overtime—see, I'm against working a lot of overtime. See, I don't want you to—here's the thing, okay? This is a trap that you could go down. Let's say that you go to your boss and you're like, dude, here's, don't call him dude, but you, you say, like, hey, here's the deal. I'm working a lot more hours, right? Like, when, when I sign up for this job, you know, it's cool. It's cool. I, I like it. I love the company. You're an awesome guy. That's a nice shirt. Uh, but, But here's the thing. So you have me coming in on weekends now. Okay. I'm okay with that. That's cool. But I'm doing more work. So you need to pay me more. So he says, you know, he, uh, I don't know. Okay, let me talk, uh, and then finally he he gives you some money. He throws you some some money, and and then and then what happens now is you're stuck, right? Because you've made the case for getting a raise, right? Your basis for getting a raise is that you coming in on weekends. So guess what you're going to be doing for the whole fucking rest of your life at that job? You're going to be coming in for a weekend because that's what you're being paid to do now. You see, you're saying what I'm saying, right? So you yes, get a raise. But do not make it because you're coming in on weekends. It's, it's no good. It's no good. You don't want to be trapped in that. You see what I'm saying? That's a bargain that, that you don't want to sign. Instead, you go into your boss and you say, hey, look, I've taken on more responsibility. That's, that's not—it that doesn't mean on weekends, right? And, or you say, hey, you know what? I provide a lot of value for this company, right? And you show the value and you have a folder. I always say have a kudos folder, right? And, and I did this video I think a while back on— on creating weekly reports. If, if you if you can't find the video, or, sorry. And the whole point of it is that you can have a bunch of stuff that you you know that you work on and you you save this up right in your kudos folder, or whatever. And all of these things, so that when you go in for a raise, which we actually I will tell you that in my other book, though, in the Complete Software Developer's Career Guide, I'm just gonna plug all my books here. Uh, in that book, I do tell you exactly how to get a raise, exactly how to do it step by step, how to do it. And what it is is that what you want to do is you want to show a lot of accomplishments, right? You want to show your value. Right? You never want to come in, and you never want to be like, "I had a new kid, and I need more money, or my rent went up." I don't. Your boss doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> Honestly, the biz- Fine. Maybe your boss does, but the business doesn't. The business doesn't. Okay. So what you got to have is you got to have a reason why you're creating more value, why it's worth it. Right? That's that's the position that you have to come from. So again, so yes, should you get a raise? Of course. Should you ask for the raise on the basis of that you're coming in on weekends? No. Let's not let's not get into that trap. Instead what you want to do is you want to figure out why are you more valuable to the company, right? What value are you creating right now that they should be paying you for, and make a really good argument and case for it, and keep on doing. It. Like always, ask for the raise. Always ask for the raise. Why not? Why not? You, you. The worst that can happen is you get turned down, and then you just keep on trying. I mean, no one ever gets something. Like your boss isn't going to be like, oh, hey, I, I think I'm just going to give you a raise. I mean, maybe at a review or something, but it's not going to. You're not going to get. What you don't ask for, so I'm always asking for stuff, right? I always I'm asking people for crazy shit, and sometimes people just give me stuff, right? But I'm always asking. I'm always asking. I'm out there asking. So be asking, right? I like you know Grant Grant Cardone has a good. He says uh, I love when he says he's like, uh, you got to find out who has your money, who has my money, right? Who's got your money? I like that because then you're asking them like, "I that's my money. You've got. I want it, right?" So, so that's that's the kind of attitude that you got to have with this. But don't fall into that trap, and and don't fall into the trap of working weekends all the time as well. And once you start this, right, you gotta you gotta really. Like, have boundaries and say, Look, I work 40 hours a week. Doesn't mean you never come in, doesn't mean you never help your employer when there's a a pinch on a project or whatever, but you gotta have those boundaries. Otherwise, you're gonna be living, you know, you gotta play it forward and think about do you wanna live your whole life this way? Because once you start to erode those boundaries and you let people start to take advantage of you, whether they mean to or not, then you start to lose that. That ground, and it's really hard to gain that ground back. Gaining that ground back is really, really difficult. So think about things, play it forward, and uh, I wish you the best. I hope you get a raise, uh, and you know, let me know. Send me an email. I want, I want to hear about your raise. Looks or technical merits for career? That's the title, right? But it's not what you think. Like I said, but it's still good. So he says, "Hi, John. What is the better career move? Choosing a job in a company/slash project which looks appealing, good reputation, big name." Shiny startup, big project, but technically not great. (laughs) Using old tech or not so sexy company slash project, but using a lot of great new tech. To which point, uh, not taking responsibilities here, just technical skills. Is it worth quitting for the first or the second? So. I'll add some of the background he has. I think I have both on my resume and it feels like people such interviewers care more about shiny company no matter what I did there than the other company where I worked on the last—latest tech and did a lot of cool things with it. So, so, Sometimes to the point where I can feel them bored right when I say the name of the company. Uh, I thought you needed to work with new tech to help your career, but just having a good name on the resume seems to help more. I'm actually trying to make a career decision facing the situation, choosing between sexy story <laughs> with little technical interest or experience on a great tech, uh, not so sexy, <laughs> not so sexy. Okay, so i got a couple thoughts on this. So You've stumbled on an important fact of life, my, my friend, uh, which is that looks matter, which is that the world is superficial, right? which is that appearances are sometimes more important at a surface level— Than actual content in depth. How, ah, gosh, makes me sick to think that we live in such a world. I should, we should just burn everything down, right, and pick it. I'm sorry, that's how it is, right? That's how life is. So, where does that, where does that leave us? And I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but, but there's truth, there's truth to this, right? So, I mean, you know, judge, don't judge a book by its cover, but everyone does judge a book by its cover. If you want a best-selling book. You gotta have a good cover. By the way, want a book with a good cover? <laughs> no. You can check out my complete software career guide. I spent a lot of money and time on that cover, in order to uh, to maximize the sales of it because it does matter, right? So, so where, where, where do we where we go here? So there's a few different ways to, to think about this and to talk about this, right? So you're right. Probably if you have a Microsoft in your resume or a LinkedIn or a Google or an Apple, people are going to assume that you're you're brilliant just because you got in there right if you have a harvard law degree that's probably pretty good than you know some other random university okay so so the, so the question becomes right you know do you wear the prada bag the gucci's right do, do you do you get the Prada shoes or you know the, the designer brand uh, you know how, how how much do you value the functionality the value of a thing versus the, the appearance of it and and this is a tough question right i mean this is definitely something that, that you have to think about in your career but, but but you have to realize like that people's perceptions are are mostly what's going to rule the day so in my opinion right if i'm trying to rise up the ranks in the corporate ladder Honestly, I'm going for the looks over the tech. I mean, I'm learning the tech on my own. I'm trying to get the best of both worlds, right? So just because you know, and I worked at some kind of big shiny companies. I worked at HP. It used to be shinier than it is now. It's not so shiny, but you get a certain amount of respect if you you worked at HP if that's on your resume because it's a big you know Fortune 500 company. At least it was a major player at at one time. It's not as much anymore. But when I worked there, sometimes we'd work on some pretty crappy tech. Okay and it wasn't the cutting edge stuff it wasn't the latest and greatest stuff but i kept up to date i did side projects right i've done some videos on doing side projects which you can check out here but i kept up to date on that because that because i know that i'm responsible for my own education and my career right so i chose maybe you choose a shiny company but you keep up on the latest technology yourself so that you're cutting edge you do a side project you do stuff like that right now not everyone is going to judge you know judge something based on the name right but but I'll tell you that like having a google or an apple or a facebook or whatever on your resume that's going to benefit you in your career it absolutely is it's going to make it really easy for you to get any job you want in the future it's true it's it's a good career move to to do that right so but you only really need one of those darlings on there right i mean once you have the Harvard law de- law degree, the law degree. Once you have the Harvard law degree, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You don't need to get you know Princeton and Yale on there too, or you know Professor Emeritus at at Oxford University. It doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't. You don't need all of those things. You know. Yes, you'd have a strong resume if you had Google, Facebook, and Yahoo on there. Maybe not Yahoo, but maybe I don't know. But but you don't you don't need to ha- like collect all these things, right? Again, like you know you're going out. Uh, I'll give you a good example. You're going out in, in Vegas, right? You, you don't have to have an entire wardrobe of of Armani suits. You just need one, right? Well, I, mean, I mean, you, you go out for a night. You got you, you got some Prada shoes and Armani suit or whatever. You look like a million bucks, okay? But you don't have to have it. You don't have to have a whole wardrobe. You don't have to spend two hundred thousand dollars on a wardrobe, right? If, if you, you see what I'm saying, and that's the same thing when you go to an interview. When you go to an interview, you, you just need you are just going in there one time to impress them, right? And then that's it. So don't like devote your whole career in looking shiny. That that's silly. That's ridiculous. That that doesn't have any any substance. But don't neglect at the same time that people are superficial and that they're going to judge by names and that the, the shiny is going to appeal and attract. So have have your one Armani suit, right? You see what I'm saying? That that's your nice tailored fitted suit. And when you go out. On the town, or you go to a wedding, or whatever you're doing, like go and wear that, and you'll you look sharp and you'll look pristine. But don't invest your whole life and everything on, on, on all of that stuff, right? You see, you see what I'm saying? Again, so, so that, that's what, what I would say here, and, and recognize that it's still up to you to develop your technical skills, right? So, no matter what job that you're at, right, it, it's, it's still up to you. So, spend the time. You know, regardless of whatever job you're at, that you invest in your future, in your education, and you're always learning. And you'll be—you'll have the best of both worlds. That's how I would mix this, right? Other people might play it differently. If you're highly skilled technically, if you have built your own reputation online and stuff like that, then maybe you don't care as much. If you're not going to be a career developer, if you're like, I just want to make some money and learn, and then I'm going to build my own business, then don't worry about the Google or the Apple or you know, and pick the technology that's going to serve you best. That's going to right. So there's different paths in life, but if you're climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, you know you probably want to have a little bit of shiny on there it probably would help you if you are worried about job security uh, it, it's going to help you some right now, ultimately though you know you've got to ha- you got to have the skills to pay the bills that, that's what it's going to take so you know don't sacrifice like i said don't sacrifice here and and just get the veneers <laughs> right okay because because it, it's going to have you're going to have problems in the future if you do that i'm going to answer a question today about how can i make passive income as a programmer as a software developer and what's my favorite kind of income? Passive income. Passive income is my favorite kind of income. There's no income better than passive income. So Robert asks this question. He says, "Hi John, I'm a big fan of your real estate videos, and you encouraged me to start investing in rental units." What does Robert say? He says, "Notwithstanding the fact that programmers have a reasonably high salary compared to other profession, it is not nearly enough to invest in rent units at least once a year, as you did." Um, it is enough, but, but okay, it depends on what your goals are. You did all right with the Pluralsight courses. I did more than all right, but uh, what other ways are there to make a passive income? Okay, so first of all, let's talk about like if you just did the rental. And Actually, before I even get into this, I want to give you a, a reference, a link uh, from a buddy of mine. I interviewed him on this channel. MJ DeMarco has a great book called The Millionaire Fast Lane. You need to read this book. Okay, you really need to read this book. I'm, I'm serious. You need to read this book. Everyone needs to read this book. Okay, and, and he he debunks some of the, the stuff about, especially compound, the power of compound interest. I hate compound interest. Like it's ridiculous. I, it's a great concept, but so many people bank on it, and it takes so long. It takes so long. So first of all, even if you just did the real estate, that is enough. Okay. So here's a, here's a simple plan for for generating passive income and becoming wealthy. Okay, real simple plan. You got to start young though. Okay, let's say you're 20, okay, and you buy a house every year, right? One house. Everyone can do this if you're a software developer. You got to scrunch and save and, and, and put down the down payment, but you could do it, right? You could maybe buy somewhere in the Midwest where the houses are cheap. You buy one house every year and you rent that house out, okay? So in 15 years, okay, so let's say you're 20. So in 15 years, you'll be 35. In 15 years, you take the first house that you bought that you've had for 15 years and you sell it, okay? Now, true or false, it's going to be worth at least double what you paid for it in 15 years. True. Do the math. Do the numbers. Look, look back at the housing prices from 15 years ago. It almost always, it's almost always—it's almost guaranteed that it's going to at least double. It might even triple. It'll probably do a 1.5 is probably what you're, you're expecting there. So You're going to get a pretty good amount of money, Okay? Enough to live off of for sure, right? <laughs> okay. And then the next year, what do you and then what do you do that year? You buy another house, you keep buying a house, right? Because you take some of that money. Let's say you bought a house originally in, you know, right now for a hundred thousand dollars, right? We're just gonna use round numbers to make it easy. And then fifteen years from now, is let's say it's worth two hundred thousand dollars. So you take the hundred thousand that you got, okay, and you take twenty out of it or ten out of it and you buy another house, okay, right? And then you t- you take the rest of it and you, and you live off of that, right? And you keep on rolling this forward, right? And keep on buying houses. That's a, that's a guaranteed way. You're going to have guaranteed income. It might not be a huge amount of income, but you're going to have guaranteed income for the rest of your life just just by doing that. Just by one, buying one house a year. It'll take 15 years if you really want to make sure that you make enough money. Wait until you're 40 and and. Hold on to the house for 20 years. If you really, really want to make sure, you could do it 30 years. But it's guaranteed way that you're going to become wealthy and you're going to retire. Right? You're going to be able to make a, a, like there's there's no way that this plan doesn't. I'm not going to say there's no way, but there's practically no way that this fails. Okay. So so I want to say that just so you know that that this is a possibility, right? But it does take some time. But that's not necessarily the only way to make passive income, right? This is what this question was: was what other ways are there to make passive income?
1: What's up, guys? John Sonmez here from SimpleProgrammer.com, and I want to tell you about my free blogging course that you can sign up for at SimpleProgrammer.com forward slash.
0: Okay, when I was first trying to figure this out, I read a book a while, a long time ago, that first got me this way of thinking, called Rich Dad Poor Dad. I know some of you don't like Rich Dad Poor Dad. I don't care if you like it or not. It's a fucking good book because it changes your mindset. Okay, so if you haven't read the book, read the book. It's really good. I don't care what Robert Kiyosaki did to make his money or what, or if he's a hypocrite or not. He's got good ideas in the book, and it will change your mindset. Okay, but after I read that book. I couldn't figure out how to make passive income. The only thing I could come up with besides real estate was gumball machines. So guess what I did? I bought a bunch of gumball machines. Actually, if you look at in my book in Soft Skills, Software Developers Life Manual, I'll link to that here. Go check that out. Go buy a copy of the book. I have a photo of me standing filling gumball machines, and I'll tell you, you know, there's nothing more fun in life than going through Costco and filling a whole shopping cart full of fucking candy. That is the most wonderful experience that you ever have in life, Uh, because I had to fill up like sixteen candy machines, gumball machines, you know, various candy machines with uh, with candy. It was it was it was wonderful, a sublime experience, but. So anyway, that worked. I did generate some passive income. It was not what I would recommend. I would have done it differently today. But you know, a coin-operated business is is one way to make passive income. Now, today, I could tell you a million ways to do it. Right. So let's just—I'll just toss out some ideas here. Okay. One of them that I'm working on right now that I was just telling someone about, and you know, maybe I'm blowing the secret on this, is make a whole bunch of Amazon books. Right. Make Kindle books. Make one a week. Or one a month, one a month, one a month, right? Just pick a book, a topic, 10, 20,000 words, pump it out, write it out, sell it for 99 cents or $1.99, and you keep on doing that. In 12 months, you'll have 12 books. If you did one uh, a month, and you'll generate, I guarantee you'll generate some passive income, probably a couple grand a month at the end of a year, may, maybe even more, right? And if you did 100 books, imagine where you'd be. You can do the same thing with audiobooks, okay? Another, another thing here. Uh, my, my, a lot of my passive income, for a while came from the blog from Simple Programmer, right? How do we generate passive income? Quote passive income at, at Simple Programmer. No income is truly passive, okay? But but as close as possible. The blog, right? You have a blog, you write blog posts for it, right? It continues to generate traffic for years. Right, if you've got good SEO content on there, especially if you've got evergreen content and you have ads on there or you sell a product on there, that automatically generates revenue. It's basically passive if you think about it, right? Because yes, I'm doing these videos and stuff, but if I stop doing the videos and I stop doing blog posts, I would continue to generate money for probably a few years, right? Because I've created that engine. Uh, You know, another thing that you could do. Is you can buy rights to things, right? There was an auction site that I was thinking about auctioning off my my Pluralsight courses, and they sell. Rights to music. So you can buy rights to music that or, or, or film, right? A lot of artists, they, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know about you, but a lot of like famous people, they tend to like want to spend more money than they have. So what do they do? They sell the rights to their music or to their movies, right? And so you can get a share on that every time that it plays on the radio. Like that's an investment that you can make, right? So there's, there's a ton of ways to do this. So you got to think outside the box. Like, you know, what, what kind of thing can you, can you buy or can you create? That's going to keep on generating you money. Books are a good one, you know resources, anything that's going to be evergreen, anywhere you can use someone else's marketplace to sell something apps in the app store is an example, right? Uh, some SaAS businesses I've got I know a guy, okay, I was just talking to this guy. He built an app that is a typing test, okay, and it just tells you how many words per minute you type, and he's making like 5000 dollars a month on ads on that site, and it'll, he doesn't work on it. He just made it once. It's a crappy site, I think. I don't know, I haven't even seen it. But he said it was a crappy site, and he's just making money from this, right? It, it's passive income because he came up with something, and right through the power of the internet and SEO, people are finding it, and they continue to find it every day, and they continue to give him money based on on the ads. There's another guy I know that created a calendar site, a scheduling site, and he doesn't work on the site. He just built it one time. He made a couple of changes to it, and he's making like several thousand dollars a month. So you got to come up with something. I mean, you just got to start thinking and brainstorm. There's a ton of ways to do this, right? That that are possible, and some of them are more passive than other ways. But you know, if you really sit down and you think about how can you, you know, create like a, a renewing resource, something like that. That there, there's, there's a ton of ways to do that, right? Think about any business, right? Every time you see something, when you look around, like you, I see a Pepsi machine here, right? Obviously, someone's making some kind of passive income off of that, right? Uh, parking lots here, I, I see parking lots where they they charge you to park, right? Especially outside of Nightclubs they charge a higher price in the evening that 's passive income someone 's making passive income off of that right uh, r- rental properties obviously we, we talked about already uh, how about those storage unit places where they, they store your stuff right and people pay for storage units there 's a ton of ways right everything that you see around you right there, there's someone 's making some kind of passive Income off of off of these things. A lot of the if you don't see someone like you know actually selling something, right? And 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 it's something that you have to pay for. It's passive income essentially. So so there's a lot of models for it, and you can take those models and you can apply them to different places to the internet, and, and and you know you just got to think about this. You just got to start getting in the mindset of thinking about how, how can you how can you do these things. And most people think it's impossible, so that they don't even try. I have a question here on how to find someone who wants to help you. And This is from Catalin. Catalin says, I watch your video about how to guarantee you're going to succeed. Uh, you can check out the video there. By the way, I recommend that video. It was one of my favorite videos that I did. I, I, I like that video. <laughs> um, but I have a problem. Where I live now is very hard to find someone which want to help me. Uh, I want to make my own game company like Ubisoft or Gameloft, but for that I should start speaking with their owner and this is pretty much impossible. That's an assumption there. Any suggestions how to find another person? Sorry for my bad English. Your English isn't isn't that bad at all. It's good. So, okay, I'm trying to think where to start with this. Okay, so you've got the wrong question. You you don't need to find someone to help you. You need to find someone to help. See, the the thing is, like, no one wants to help you. I I mean, I don't I don't mean to be you know pessimistic. I'm not. I'm an optimist. Like I said, I said this a couple times today, but. No one wants to help you. Why do I want to help you? I, I'm on, I might want to pity you, like pitying people. But, but honestly, like, and again, I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but what, what I'm saying is, like, I'm, I'm making this channel to help you, right? This is the way that someone's going to help you. The way that someone's going to help you is they're going to create stuff for you that you're going to have to take up and, and do something with, right? I create this channel to help people, obviously, right? But I'm not going to come to your house and help you to make your dreams come true right i'm going to give you the tools and the fuel that's going to help to light the fire in you that's going to allow you to do that and to give you the capability and the know-how to do that but i'm not coming to your house to do that you see what i'm saying i'm not working with you on a personal level because i don't have time to do that anyone who is successful right in life is probably not going to have the time or the inclination to help you and, and who wants to help someone who's not helping themselves right if if you just go to someone and you're like hey i want to create a game company you know no offense but why why? Why should they help you? What What is in it for them? Right? You, there's always going to be something in it for them. And so, rather than like counting on altruistic motives of people, which is it's not something to count on at all. Most of the time, when you're getting help, you're getting pity. And you know, there's nothing I despise more than pity. I, if If anything, give me whatever you're going to give me in life, but do not give me pity. I do not want pity. Never, never do I want pity. And a lot of times, when you're getting a handout, that's what you're getting. Is you're getting pity, and uh, that's, that's one of the most destructive human emotions that exists. It destroys a person's character more than anything else in life. And and you should never accept pity. And you should never want pity. Okay. So, what what can you do? How can you be self-sufficient? Right. As Ralph Waldo Emerson would talk about, he he's written quite a few essays on self-sufficiency, right? And and this concept is really important concept in life. And so what you got to do is you got to turn the question around, and you got to say, how can I help someone else who's in a position of power that I could learn something from, right? Because that's really what you you don't want their help, right? Do you want them to give you a handout? Do you want? To, I mean, if someone, and I'll tell you the truth, if someone said, you know, gave me ten million dollars today, I I'd say no. I, I, I don't. I don't want. I want to earn it. I want to have made it. I, I you know, and I know some of you are shaking your head and you're jumping up out of your seat and you're like, "I disagree, John. I would take ten million dollars." Uh-uh. I don't want anything. If someone said tomorrow I'll give you the perfect body, nope. Don't want it. Do not. I want to earn it. I want to make my way, because. I've been there. I've been down that road. I know that it's not the rewards. I mean, you, can, you can check out my video on, on what it was like to make a million dollars, right? And I, and I tell you about the, the destitute road that you travel when you're just looking for the end result and you don't care who you become in the process, okay? So, what you should be focusing on is how you can help someone else. You want to create a game company? You do everything that you can within your ability, okay? And then you find people that are already doing it right tony robbins calls it modeling people it's a great 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 technique and you figure out how can you get around those people because if you're around those people you'll absorb it you'll absorb it you won't need them to quote help you right and the best way to get around powerful people is to help them how can you figure out something that you have a value that you can give them sometimes it's your time sometimes it's your admiration right it could be anything it could be a different skill that you have right but you gotta figure out how to get around those people, right? I did a video on set point, raising your set point. You can check out that video here. And and I've talked about this a lot of times on the channel, I've done plenty of videos about the people that you're around, right? That that makes a difference, right? Jim Rohn first said it, at least He's the quote's attributed to him, but I'm sure multiple people have said it because it's a principle in life. And he says, "You're the average of the five people that you you associate with most. That you're around most. So if you could be around people that are creating game companies or that are working in game companies, or highlight right, then you're going to be able to do that. You're going to become like those people, right? If you if you hang around four fat people, five fat people, you're going to become a fat person. I guarantee you, like it's going to happen. You're not going to change those those four or five people, right? So how can you get? In front of these people, and and the the question—that's why I said—the question that you need to change it around to is not how can you find people to help you. It's how can you figure out a way that you can be valuable and helpful to powerful people, right? And some people have done this in simple programs. There's been people that have made someone into my inner circle because they've offered me some value because they've said, "Hey, John, I could figure out some way to help you," and and the offer still stands, right? The whole point is this: is it's like if you figure out some way to help me. Oh yeah, yeah we'll, we'll hang out. We'll, we'll, you know, I, I got a buddy right that that um, he's a, he's a good friend of mine and he's he's a cool guy. But like, he he wanted to. I, you know, I don't start a lot of business connections, business relationships, because I don't have a lot of time. I like people. I I'd love to. You know, I can't have coffee with every single person that that wants to have coffee with me or has some kind of business idea or something, right? But but I'll tell you what. You know what? I said. I said to this 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 guy when I when I was first meeting him, and now he's part of my inner circle, is I said, grab your fucking running shoes, okay? I said I'm, I'm going for a ten mile run. We could you grab your running shoes and and we'll run. And this 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 guy, he he's never run ten miles before. He ran ten miles, and we talked a whole like. This is what you see what I'm saying, like he was like uh oh, yeah this this is this is cool right he took the opportunity, and he's like, "Oh, John could probably use a running partner it'd be it'd be it'd be fun to make his run easier, right true true fact right i I sometimes it's boring running by yourself, and so he got into the inner circle by doing that. You see what I'm saying now he gets to hang around, you know not that I'm some big thing, but you know what I mean like he had a smaller business, someone who I probably wouldn't like you know i I, I wouldn't necessarily like." Have coffee with necessarily? You know, no offense, no no offense. I'm just saying, there's a lot of people, right? And there's tons of people that are way above me that I would love to have coffee with them. So yeah, that's all I'm saying. But he probably wouldn't have that opportunity and gotten around me and some other entrepreneurs that are also more successful than, than he's at where he wants to be had he not done something like that. So figure it out. What is it for you, right? Again, if you're thinking about people just helping you, you're mostly going to get pity, and you don't want pity. What you want is is you want to be self-sufficient, and you got to figure out how to help someone else and then just to be around them. Just to be around them, that's enough. Today I'm gonna to be talking to you about how to freelance as a software developer. So this is not a question, but I get this question plenty of times. How do I freelance as a software developer? How can I become a freelancer, software developer? Right? This is a very common fantasy, I'm gonna say fantasy that most developers have. Because I'll tell you, you know, my background. I was working as a regular developer, doing regular jobs for a, a good amount of time. And I always had this dream I said, man, I would love to be a freelancer. I, I don't know why I wanted to do this. I guess I wanted the freedom, right? My highest value in life, I've, I've told you guys this before, is freedom, right? I, I value freedom more than anything. And so I thought that becoming a freelance developer, would be a way to obtain my freedom. Now, I eventually did this, and I, uh, you know, was able to bill up to three hundred dollars. actually, at one point, five hundred dollars an hour. Uh, you can check out my my video on on billing three hundred bucks an hour, how how to do that here. Uh, definitely check that out if you haven't if you haven't seen that. But. But I found out it wasn't all it was cracked up to be, okay? <laughs> so, so, before I tell you how to become a freelancer, and I will, I promise, I, I, wanted to, I want you to make sure that you want to do this, first of all. Because I think for a lot of developers, what makes a lot of sense, a lot of people in general, is to skip the freelance and go straight to product creation. And, I, and I'll tell you why, okay? Essentially, level one is you're working for someone else, level two, you're a freelancer, level three, you have a product or a business that generates some kind of passive income, and level four, you have so much money. You have so much income, right? Coming in, that you just do whatever the fuck you want. You don't care what, what anyone says. You you don't have to respect anyone. Like you, you just do what you want. That's that's kind of where I'm, sort of at right now with this business, right? That's why I'll make a video on whatever I want. I, I don't I don't have I don't have a repercussion. I'm just doing what I want to do. Okay, uh, the market is not defining that. So, so with that said, okay. And we're just going to kind of talk about the gap, right? Why I say skipping from level one to level three makes a lot of sense, and skipping the freelancer thing. And I know, I know, you're here to to figure out how to be a freelancer. But if I can convince you to not become one first, that's going to save you a lot of pain. And if you still want to do it, I'll I'll tell you what I think is the best way to do it. So, okay, so. The reason why is because when you become a freelancer, okay, and this is something I didn't calculate on, I went from one boss to many bosses. Now, you become location independent, but you don't become time independent, right? What's the difference here? That means you don't have to go into an office to work most of the time, but your time is still not your own, right? You have clients and they have deadlines and you got to do work. right? You're a freelancer so you own your own business. That's great. That's awesome. It feels good, but you're still at the mercy of bosses and it's more than one boss. It's multiple bosses because when they need this work done— You've got to do it, right? You can't be like, well, I, I guess I'm not going to work for, for two weeks. No, you're going to lose your clients, okay? And, and you've, you've got to keep the business running. Plus, you've got to do the overhead of the business. And overhead is not fun. It's not writing code. It's not, you know, it, I mean, maybe accountants think that's fun, but, you know, it costs money and it costs time to do that. So instead, what I always suggest, at least now, is to go straight to level three. This is where, you know, when I was a freelancer, I realized, oh, wait, you know, it'd be so much better to have a product. That I sell, right? To have an actual business that generates passive income, so that I can be both location independent and time independent, right? So I became location and time independent. Now I'm not saying this to to convince you I'm a baller. I I don't care if you think I'm a baller or not. My my point is this: is that like that is the real? That's a much higher level of freedom. Now you still have some restrictions in that, right? As that you you have to create something that people want, right? The market is your your boss essentially, but it gives you a lot more freedom. And and for so most developers, they're looking for freedom, right? And so when you become a freelancer, you find that you're actually burdened more. And sometimes you don't even make more money. I mean, you definitely have a higher potential of earning uh, being a freelancer versus a career developer. And you have but you have an even higher potential if you own a business, right? It, it's infinitely scalable. You can make a, a lot of money without doing anything after you've put in the work. Okay, so now We'll, we'll get down to it. I'll, I'll give you some simple steps. If I, I still haven't convinced you not to be a freelancer, okay, that's fine. So, how do you? If you're going to be a freelancer, how do you do it? Okay, this is. I'll give you the hard way, and I'll give you the easy way. The hard way is this: is to go knock on doors, and make phone calls, and send out emails, and LinkedIn requests, and jump on Upwork, and try and and get business that way. Okay, that's the hard way because it's called it's called a cold approach or cold sale, right? You 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 don't have an introduction. You don't have there's no you're just asking people. You're asking people for stuff, right? You say, can I please please sir? Can I have a job? Can I work for you? Can I can you pay me money to? Can I write some code for you? You're not going to command a high premium. You're going to spend a lot of time going out and knocking and busting doors, right? Until you finally get and it'll work. It'll work, right? If you're willing to put in the work, but that's not the best way. Instead, the best way is if you're going to do this, you're really serious about this, okay? And I've got a course that will help you out on this. It's called How to Market Yourself as a Software Developer. Go ahead and click the link and then open it in another window and you can check it out later. But but listen, don't don't check it out now. Listen to me. Okay? What you want to do is you want to build a personal brand, okay? You want to market yourself, right? That's why I made the course on how to market yourself as a software developer. But even if you don't get the course, just get this, right? What I'm telling you right now is you want to figure out a way to build a brand to build an audience, okay? To build authority in the industry in a slice of the industry you want to specialize of course okay once i started my blog on simple programmer and i had 10000 people visiting that blog a month now i have 250 300000 people visit the blog per month okay but when even i just had 10000 i was getting job offers right i was getting people to say well, can you write this code for me i'll hire you right and they're and and it's basically name your price they're like how much does it cost you right how much will you charge me essentially in order to do this and so not only are you not knocking on doors? People are coming to you, and how much better of a negotiation position do you think you're in when someone comes to you and says, "I want you to write this code." Okay, that's how you built $300 an hour. It wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to knock on the door and say, "Hey, I want to write some code from you." You never heard of me. It's all right. I'm a really good developer. I'll check out my resume. Uh, how much you charge? I charge $300 an hour. <laughs> Goodbye. Right? That's what would happen. But if someone comes to me and I say, "No, I, that's I have a lot of business. I, you know, I'm I." I have a reputation in the industry. You came to me, 300. That's my rate. I don't negotiate my rate. They say, sure. I want the best, right? You see what I'm saying? Or I want you. So that's what you got to do. If you really want to become a freelancer, you're really serious about this. You start now by planting the roots, by planting the seeds now, which means that you build your brand, you build your business. You build an audience, start with a blog, maybe a YouTube channel, right? I've got a free course if you don't want to pay, you know, whatever for how to market yourself as a software developer. That's cool, I understand. Chief Gate. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But no, go, go check out how to uh, create a blog to boost your career. And that will at least get you started creating a blog. And that, you know, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some work. But if you plant these seeds, you're going to save yourself a lot of time in the long run.